0: ass runner friends may your new year be filled with love joy and the courage to dream big hi this is charl barkley the round mound
1: of ribbon i know you heard of me I'm a big-ass runner from Scottsdale, Arizona.
2: You only run into the fridge.
1: (laughs) Shaq, that's not fair. Welcome to the Big-Ass Runner podcast, where we entertain and encourage runners from all over the world.
0: First, you gotta learn how to walk.
1: (laughs) Shaq. Yeah, look who talking, Shaq. Look like you ate Kenny. Barbecue chicken. Now, here is your host. He's not as terrible as Shaq.
2: Google me
1: But is as terrible as Ernie Well that's not right The fantastic class now Jeff Harrell Happy New Year everybody Well thank you Charles Barkley For that amazing introduction And it's pronounced Jeff Harrell But let's be honest Who am I to correct anyone's pronunciation of anything Well again thank you for that amazing introduction And I think we heard from Shaq and Ernie as well Fantastic. Fantastic. That was my word for 2020. I'm bringing it back in 2022. That was fantastic. Well, my name, as Charles said, is Jeff Harrell. Welcome to the Big Ass Runner. This is episode, this is going to have a significant episode. It's episode number 75 of the Big Ass Runner. Thanks for joining us. I think we've got a great episode planned. In the first segment, you are going to hear from someone who I think is fascinating. This person has been on Shark Tank. He is a master's all-American sprinter, but he also created a company in the running space that you'll want to hear about. It's called Zero Shoes. His name is Stephen Sashin. I think you're really going to enjoy the interview. That's segment number one. And segment number two, you know, it is the new year. And so I thought it would make sense to talk a little bit about New Year's resolutions, and if you have any, we're actually going to hear from a few of the Big Ass Runner herd members as well, so stay tuned for that. But before we get to that, I did want to wish everyone a happy new year. I hope you had a great holidays, and we are now into 2022. It's a new year. Happy new year. We are so thankful for everyone out there that listens to this podcast. Really, really appreciate that. And I wanted to kick off the new year with a new review. We just got a new, brand new, spanking brand new review on Apple Podcasts. If you want to go out there and give us a written review, it's one of the best ways to give back to this podcast. And we read every one of them. And we just got one this past week from Granny Gear 13. It's five stars. Thank you for that. The headline says, great show for runners of all types and it says i enjoy listening to this show for content and the humor steve and jeff are excellent at bringing information to their segments balanced with fun listening the topics are right in line with my own training granny gear thank you so much for that and hopefully soon we will be having a steven's new ass stuff gear segment which will be right down your alley i think so again thanks for that great review The second thing I wanted to cover before we get started with the show is some of the feedback we got from the last couple of segments. You know, we talked with Marcy Baser about some of her New Year's resolutions or what she does is Word of the Year, and that seemed to resonate with everyone. And so I want to talk a little bit about Word of the Year. Do you have a word that you have selected for 2022? I'm really looking at the word simplify. I'm trying to simplify my life. I feel like I let things come in, more things come in, and pretty soon I feel like I'm just overwhelmed, and so I'm trying to simplify my life. Do you have a word that you're really focused on in 2022? I heard from Jen Kirkpatrick one of our friends of the show. And she said that 2022, her word of the year is kindness. I didn't choose one in 2020 and 2021. And look what that got us. Love that. I wanted to focus outward rather than inward this time. Happy 2022. And then she has a quote, kindness is choosing love over hate, light over darkness, compassion over judgment. Amen to that. Love that word. Love that, Jen. Thanks for sending that in. Her word of the year in 2022 is kindness. If you have a word of the year, we'd love to find that out. Send it to me at Jeff at Big S Runner, and we'd love to find out what your word of the year is. And then the last thing before we get started is we heard a lot of feedback on the Timmy Time Christmas song segment. A lot of people really that enjoyed that version of Santa Baby, I think for the third time in the history of Timmy Time, broke the internet. Santa
2: baby, just slip a sable under the tree for me. Been an awful good girl, Santa baby, so hurry down the chimney tonight.
1: And we've had a lot of requests for a Timmy Time Christmas album. So we are talking to his agent and negotiating to have that done for 2022. So hopefully we'll be able to make a big announcement about an upcoming project of the Timmy Time Christmas album for fall and winter of 2022. So thanks for that. And maybe maybe we'll squeeze in a, a springtime timmy time album who knows who knows we'll have to wait and see well with that again happy new year to everybody let's get going on episode number 75 of the big ass runner Well, now on the Big Ass Runner hotline, I'm really excited because we have Stephen Sashin. Stephen, welcome to the Big Ass Runner.
3: Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here.
1: Yes, we're very excited. And I thought I've got so many things I want to dive into. I want to dive into, you know, obviously your shoes, your experience on Shark Tank, some of your background as a runner. But before we do that, I would love for you just to introduce yourself to the Big Ass Runner herd. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you are in the world, and a little bit about your background.
3: Yay. Uh, well, I am in between Boulder and Denver, Colorado. That's the easy part. After that, it gets, it's, I'm going way uphill. Uh, and I'm the co-founder and CEO of Zero Shoes, and that's Shoes.com. And I got here because I got back into sprinting 14 years ago when I was 45 and was getting injured all the time. And a world champion runner that I know now, saying world champion runner in Boulder is like saying my neighbor because they're everywhere, but this one particular one. Uh, said, well, you know, you might want to try running barefoot and see if you learn anything from doing that about your injuries. Now, I'm not here to tell anyone to run barefoot, by the way, or even to buy my shoes, and we'll say why. I don't care about that in a moment. But this is just the story. Uh, Suffice it to say, as a sprinter, I had never run more than like a mile and did not enjoy that at all. I like short, straight lines. That's what I do. I'm a 100-meter guy outdoors and 60-meter guy indoors. But that first barefoot run, was so fascinating. I was so transfixed by just feeling everything and experimenting with my gait, you know, running faster, running slower, running at the same speed with a higher cadence or a lower cadence, landing on my feet in different ways. It was just really interesting. And at the end, uh, someone had a GPS watch on and I said, how far was that? She, and she said, that was a little over 5K. And it's like, sorry, what? <laughs> I had no idea. And, and I could have kept going, but we just stopped as a group. Now, here's the kicker. I, had a, I ended up with a big blister on the ball of my left foot. And what many people do in that situation is go, oh, see, this is nonsense because I got a blister. But what I did for some strange reason was think, um, uh, my right foot is fine and the left foot is the, the leg that gets injured more often. So what was my right leg doing correctly that my left leg was doing incorrectly? And on my second barefoot run, I figured that out and it changed my gait. And from changing my gait, my injuries went away, uh, and I ended up becoming faster. I'm now a master's All-American sprinter. I'm one of the fastest guys over 55 in the country. And I'm, oh, and I'm entering a new age group in six months. I'm going to turn 60. I can't wait. Suffice it to say, you know, I wanted that natural movement experience, and I started making sandals based on this 10,000-year-old design idea. And then I made some for a couple people, and they told two friends, and they told two friends, and so on, and so on, until one day. Somebody said, if you had a website for this sandal-making hobby of yours, I'd put you in a book that I'm writing about barefoot running, and I rush home, and I pitch this incredible opportunity to my wife, who assures me I'm a complete moron, <laughs> and uh, it's a bad idea. It won't work, waste of time, no money, and I said, yeah, you're right, and then after she went to bed, I built a website, So uh, and here we are, <laughs> and a and, and, and shorter answer to your question is I'm just a guy who's been really, really lucky that I've never had a job but the things that i have found interesting i found a way to happily make a living doing those and sharing those with people and so uh, here i am as a result of all of that and the fact that when i was a kid they hadn't invented riddle yet
1: <laughs> lots of ideas probably too little time for all the ideas that you have and yeah. but, and when was that that, you, that your friend gave you that advice and you started barefoot running when was that
3: that was in 2000 like early 2009
1: Okay, because what's interesting is right around that time, one of my very favorite books, and and this is a, my favorite book regardless of genre, is a book called Born to Run by Christopher McDougall. And when I read that, you know, he talks about when he, when he wrote the book, he had similar problems that you're des- describing, Stephen. He was getting injured yeah. all the time, and he'd heard about this tribe that I think it's the Tarahumara. Am I saying that right? Tribe down in Mexico.
3: Well, if you if, if you're a white guy, that's how you say it. And if you and if you wanna if you wanna be cool or annoy your friends, you pronounce it the way they do, which is Tarumara.
1: Tarumara. I like that. I like that yeah. let's do it the way they do it. I love that. Tarumara. So he had heard about this tribe and they're down in Mexico in the Copper Mountains and the Copper Canyons. Yeah. And the whole book is about him finding out about this tribe, going down there, finding them, a group of um, American runners are down there too. It's just, it's a great book, but I just wondered with the timing 2009, this book comes out Mm -hmm. about the same time that you're starting to barefoot run. What, what influence that book might have had on you?
3: Well, um, when my friend said run barefoot, he also handed me a copy of Born to Run. Uh. The thing about that book is it's a great adventure tale. And even I know most people listening to this are runners, but even if you're not a runner, my wife is not a runner. And it's just a great tale of both the adventure of Chris's journey to figuring out how to run better. The Tarumara, who um, I had known about before that, for some reason, I was hip to things they had done, like run the Leadville 100, win it the first year the second year they went out to do it again and they had a shoe sponsor and uh within just a few miles of starting the race they kicked off the shoes around the whole race barefoot and, ran, and won um, <laughs> and and uh, but also it talks about the science of running and it while it doesn't actually promote barefoot running people think that it did but what it does talk about is research from dan lieberman where he showed for example that when you run in padded shoes you end up applying and he's not the only person who's seen this there's Dozens of studies showing that when you run in any sort of padded shoe, you end up putting more force into the ground rather than getting cushioning because your brain is trying to feel what you're stepping on and it can't feel through the padding. And so it tends to land harder. And the other thing that happens with padding is it reduces the pressure because it spreads the pressure out and slows it down, but it doesn't reduce the force. And so there's research showing that that force goes right up, especially if you're landing on your heel with your foot out in front of you that force goes right up into your joints instead of using your muscles, ligaments, and tendons as natural springs and shock absorbers. So that's part of what was in the book was just the difference between like African runners who are typically barefoot because they didn't have shoes and what happens when you put shoes on their feet. So it wasn't promoting barefoot. People think about that. Now the joke really, I used to tease Chris McDougall, that for the first two years of our business, he was our unofficial marketing department because anytime he would do a book signing, people would then go online to find out more and they would find our website.
1: Yep. Thank you. I love that. And I think that's one of the ways I found you too. Although I I do remember the Shark Tank episode that you were on and we were talking before we started recording. It felt like that was just a few years ago, but that was back, I think it was in 2013. Is that right?
3: Well, we taped it in July of 2012, and it aired in jan- the end of January and then the beginning of June in 2013. And then it's been rerun on CNBC a couple times a year ever since.
1: Well, I'd love to dive into that because you said you sure. know, you came home, you're like, I, I, I want to create this. You're a serial <laughs> entrepreneur. Your wife's like, I, I think you might be crazy. She probably already knew that a little bit about you. Yeah, but pretty,
3: you, she pretty much did. Yeah. yeah.
1: You come up with a shoe design. How do you take that idea and that design and end up on Shark Tank?
3: Oh boy. Um, uh, a lot of luck. So the way, when we when we started the business, people kept telling us, you guys should be on Shark Tank. And we were like, I don't know what the hell Shark Tank. And then we watched the show. And like everybody, you watch the show and you imagine being on both sides of the fence, if you if you will. Yeah. You imagine being an entrepreneur, you imagine being sharks. And so it's very engaging. And we were thinking, yeah, we should totally be on the show. So we, um, I sent an email. If you go to the website, they'll tell you how to apply. What they what I didn't know then is they only really do look at the applications in like March or April when they say, and go. And so uh, I didn't get a response originally. But then when I found out about the timing, as soon as they said go, I sent out an email. And I then a week later sent a video also. But the lucky part was that that first email got to someone who was doing the initial screening whose uh, boyfriend had read Born to Run. So they were kind of hip to this idea to begin with, and they had this long interview with us um, and said, you know, we'd like you to apply to be on the show officially. Like, here's the application form, and we need a video just to see how you guys are on camera. And, you know, you have to answer like a 1,000 questions in five minutes, which is, of course, impossible. And, um, and they said, and you know, don't edit the video. I said, how come? It's well, when people edit it, it ends up looking bad. I said, well, um, I have a master's in film. They said, Oh, do whatever the hell you want. (laughs) So, so, but I didn't edit it. I did. We actually did it in one take. And, uh, now the funny part was when we're having this conversation on a Thursday and they said, we want the video by Monday. And I said, not a problem. Unbeknownst to me, my wife had been planning a surprise 50th birthday party for me that weekend. So, um, she's freaking out, (laughs) (laughs) but hit it completely. I had no idea. Party went out without a hitch. I was totally surprised. Everybody had my favorite cake in the world. We had a good time.
2: Oh, that's and the next awesome.
3: day we did we, Yeah, we did the video. Then they called back and said, All right, we need you to fill out this big application and here's a contract. I'm, I'm conflating a, some of the timing of this, but the application is just like mind numbing and has to be handwritten, which uh, you can't read my handwriting and my wife's handwriting makes me look like I'm a typewriter. So we had to hire someone from Craigslist <laughs> to handwrite our applications. Uh, and we sent those in. And then the contract is crazy onerous. I mean, you're giving away your whole life story for three years. Goodness. So, but if you want to be on the show, that's what you do. So we sent the contract, and they said, all right, we want you on the show. And it's going to be in like eight, ten weeks or so. And then I think three weeks later, they called and said, we need you out here in three days. And I think some of that was just to keep you off guard yeah. And have you be a little stressed out. Or it could be that just production is challenging and always full of you know glitches like that. But we went out and taped the show. And what people don't realize is that you're in the – first of all, a lot of people think it's live. And it's not. It's taped. And a lot of people think that it's basically just a conversation. And it is <laughs> far from it. So like one of the sharks will ask you five questions. And when you're answering question number three, one of the others asks you 10 more questions. And if you switch to the second shark, the first one gets mad. And if you don't switch, the second one gets mad. And they're trying to just always keep you off guard. And so, uh, and a lot of times they're not even paying attention to you. They're in their own private Idaho making notes, trying to figure out what to say next. Because it's, it's called Shark Tank. They want to be the shark that gets the most attention. So they're competing with each other. For yeah. The funniest one-liner or, you know, the be- best way to go, gotcha, where they ask a question where it throws you off guard. Um, and you're in there for anywhere between 20 minutes and a couple of hours. Oh, and it gets cut goodness. down to roughly
1: 10 minutes. Because well, I I'd, i I'd so, had heard that you go out, and, and let me know if this is true or not, I'd heard that you go out in front of the sharks and they just make you stand there for a while.
2: Oh, to, yeah.
3: Just to yeah, increase
1: yeah. The, the, the nervousness, I guess, factor of it. Is that true?
3: Right. Yeah, yeah. So um, So when you're walking down the hallway, down the tunnel to get into the tank, the way they call it, Um, there's a camera right up your nose. But as soon as you get in the tank, that camera disappears and all the cameras are hidden. And the sharks are like unnaturally far away from you. It's kind of weird, but there's the other weird thing of recognizing them. It's like, oh my God, I've been watching you. you know. And there's that bizarre false sense of familiarity. So then they say, yeah, we just want you to stand there and we're going to make sure all the levels are correct and blah, blah, blah. But they're doing it because when... Um it's it's an old Freudian psychology thing. Like if you go see a Freudian therapist, you'll sit down in front of a guy and he won't or a woman and the therapist won't say anything to you. And they just wait to see what comes out of your mouth because the anxiety of just sitting in front of another person <laughs> who's just staring at you yeah. eventually gets to you and you say something interesting. Well, they try to do the same thing. Okay, now here's the kicker. We knew about this. So I told Lena, all right, we're gonna walk out and we're just gonna smile. And look at each person and just see if we can bask in how amazing it is that we're here. That we started this little company out of a corner of a spare bedroom in our house. And here we are. And just enjoy it. And so we walk out and we just kind of take it all in and enjoy it and look around and kind of acknowledge everyone. And you could tell (laughs) they were a little annoyed. And it's like,
1: all right, let's just start. (laughs) You're supposed to be more nervous than you are. Yeah,
3: we gave them nothing.
1: (laughs) And and Lena is your wife, and she's also yeah. part part of the company as well. Is that right?
3: She is my our co-founder, and was until very recently the CFO and um, kind of COO as well. And we've just hired people to do those things, so she's uh, now the president of the company and is in charge of just making sure everybody stays on track and uh, no one does anything crazy.
1: That's awesome. And you you came out and you were asking for four hundred thousand for eight percent, and yep. I, and my question is, was that. What strategy? What strategy did you have? Did you come out going, I'm really going to stick to this, or I'm just going to see how it goes, or did you have some numbers in mind? How, how did that strategy work?
3: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, to come up with that number, what, now Shark Tank is weird because you have to offer both the offer and the ask. Here's what I'm gonna. Here's what I want, and here's what I'm offering in exchange. In a normal negotiation with you know venture capitalist or private equity partner, it doesn't work that way. You don't actually give out the information. You don't do any of that really. It's a whole different process, but that's what we had to do for the show. And in fact, you have to put, um, I can't remember exactly how it works. It's been a while, but you have to put your asking for offer in the application. And while you're allowed to change that and ask for more, you can't ask for less. So you're making a commitment when you apply. To come up with that number, we talked to a lot of people. We talked to people who bought shoe companies, who sold shoe companies who are venture capitalists, who are people who just buy brands and they're not looking for a company to grow, but they just wanna buy the brand. We talked to people to bankers who would finance these things. We talked to everybody. And the real conservative people, they gave us a valuation of about two and a half million dollars. And the people who were all growth minded gave us valuations around 10 million dollars. Now this is when we, were, we had done like a half a million dollars in business. Mm-hmm. So we had this big range and we wanted to come up with a number Knowing that the sharks, a like to negotiate, or more accurately, talk you down, and b if you ask for too, if you offer them too little, then they're not interested. Right. So you're, we're kind of juggling. You know, what do we ask, knowing that we're going to have to talk our way down? And we came up with that eight um, percent for four hundred grand versus a five million dollar valuation, right? Kind of in the middle. We thought we could justify it, and we were willing to go down to like two point five, but uh, we never got that far because I said eight percent. Kevin said. Uh, how about 50%? I said, how about no? And he said, (laughs) well, you could make me an offer. I said, how about 10%, which is a 20% drop. That's a significant drop. And he said, you're crazy. I said, maybe. Um, But no, I think think that's a pretty good one. And much to our surprise, um, you know, no one, what what happened? um, And you don't see this on the show. Uh, Damon said, I love you guys. You're brilliant, but this is just too rich for me. And, and Robert, same thing. And Robert, people say that he's a runner and I don't know if he is now, but what he said to me in something you didn't see, I, I put some sandals on his feet and he starts taking off up the hall. And so I follow up the hall and we're jogging back and forth up and down the hall. And he said, you know, I haven't really run in a while because my knees have been bothering me. I said, Oh, I, I can fix that. Wow. <laughs> um, um, but um, he, same thing. He said, you know, just too rich for me. Um, Cuban said, I think it's a fad which is not the case because our business and every other minimalist shoe company that we know has done nothing but grow from that time. And uh, Barbara hated me for the moment I walked
1: out there. <laughs> well, because <laughs> she, she said, said she said you, you reminded her of her first husband. So I think you were, yeah, right. you were in trouble for, yeah, from the get-go.
3: Right. And, and, you know, I tweeted on, on well, the night the show aired, I tweeted to her, you should have invested in the company. I could have used some of that cash for plastic surgery.
2: <laughs> I love it.
3: So. Now, what I didn't do, I didn't say anything snarky because I immediately realized when we got on the show um, or when we started uh, talking to them, like, because they're not always paying attention, if you say something that's deliberately supposed to be funny, if they're not all paying attention, it could fall like a lead balloon.
1: Oh, yeah. And
3: so, you know, you don't want to be glib. You don't want to be sarcastic. So what I wanted to say to Barbara when she said, you remind me of my ex-husband was, Oh, you mean the guy who gave you the money that you used to start the business that you sold for $60 million? I'm cool with that.
1: Oh goodness.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It would not have gone over well.
1: No, I thought you, I thought you handled yourself really, really well. And it was interesting to watch Robert put on the shoes and say he was a runner and he he seemed really into it. And then he was just out almost immediately. Now I don't know, you know, from your point of view and how it really happened. Obviously there's editing that happens, but but yeah, but he was said he was out, and then Mark said that that this industry was in a bubble, and that you should yeah. take you should take Kevin's deal, and Kevin's deal again was <laughs> four hundred thousand for fifty percent. You said no, yeah. you came back with ten percent. I'm I'm guessing you're pretty happy with your decision.
3: <laughs> we are happy with it from the moment that we made it. Um, here's here's the big debate that my wife and I have about the show. Uh, you know, if you're in a relationship, you or you have friends. And I'm assuming people either have friends or are in relationships. Uh, You all remember history differently. So, Lena and I have a historical difference. I remember her saying something she doesn't remember saying. So, when Robert reminded us that Kevin had made us an offer, because we had totally forgotten because it was such a non-starter. And so, Lena says, so are you bringing anything to the table other than money? And he says, well, I'm a smart businessman and I've got a Rolodex. And I remember her saying, so nothing.
1: Wow. <laughs> That's a good one. She should, she should take credit for that one.
3: Oh, dude, she said some of the, the funniest things I've ever heard in my life. Like, um, I, I adore my wife. And, and uh, when you leave the tank, when you get out, they interview you. And sometimes they use those interviews, but most of the times they don't. Now, the, I got to back up. One of the things I mentioned is all the sharks are trying to find a one-liner that's the thing that's going to get them on preview and get them more publicity. And Kevin's one-liner was, I get it, I get it. It's a bunch of Indians running around the desert naked on peyote. <laughs> now, they, they cut out the on peyote part, you know, on the show. But anyway, yeah. we leave the tank, and, uh, and they, they asked Lena, what do you think about Kevin's offer? And she says, if he thought we were going to give away half the company, he was the one on peyote.
1: Wow, man, she was on fire.
3: <laughs> yeah, it was great. Well, and and we begged them. I said, "You've got to leave that line in. You've got to do it." And they said, "We, we can't. We're a Disney-owned network. We we can't make drug jokes. Like, yeah. oh, a joke. So good. So, yeah, it was brilliant.
1: Well, I wondered too because I've heard stories too. Right after the filming, or right after you leave the Shark Tank, sometimes things happen. Did did anything happen right after? Did anyone kind of contact you or come back to you in any way? Was there anything that happened after that?
3: Well, I'll tell you another secret that I thought you were where you were headed. The first person you talk to when you get out of the tank is a therapist. Oh, really? Yeah. They send a therapist in who, frankly, could have been replaced with a 3 by 5 card. Uh, <laughs> because if the 3 by 5 card just said, however good or bad you think it went, don't worry about it. It will fade from your memory. No one will remember how you did. They'll only remember that you were on the show. And you can, you'll always imagine that it could have been better. And that thought will eventually pass because whatever you're imagining, it, it, it could have been better than that too. So wow. you know, whatever you're thinking, feeling, totally normal. It'll pass. It will. No, if it went really bad, no big deal. In fact, um, we said to when we walked out of there, the moment the moment we walked out, I was I said to Lena, "Oh my God, that's not what I expected," because we thought Barbara would be interested. Actually, we thought Mark would be. We thought they would all be interested. <laughs> yeah, and this is not what I expected. But we have friends who totally, totally bit it. Like, I mean, they were in tears about how bad they thought it went. And we called our producers and said, you know, you could edit this and make it look like anything you wanted. And they said, we don't edit to make people look bad. And we're, again, we're Disney-owned network. We want people to want to be on the show. If you see someone who looks like they totally ate it, it probably was way worse in real life.
1: <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well,
3: after that, I ended up meeting um, someone who was one of the people who famously totally ate it on the show. And he loves to say, they made me look like a complete ass, but it was all in the editing. And I, and I said, You know, you've become a good friend of mine, so I feel comfortable telling you this, but um, you got a pretty good edit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I'm, I'm wondering, too, if they've got a therapist as the first person that you see that, that they're, they probably did that over some things that have happened because of some oh, yeah. of those first few seasons, because they probably didn't know that right away, the kind of impact that uh, might have on somebody.
3: You know, I, I bet they did because the production company that does Shark Tank did Survivor and other shows. Yeah. And I know with other reality shows, they've had therapists come in. I mean, the biggest thing that happens, no matter whether whether you make a deal or not, whether it goes well or not, is it's just so not what you expected that it just throws you for a loop. And, and invariably, again, the number one thing that's going to happen for like six months is you're going to be playing it over and over in your head, thinking about how you would have done it differently. And the biggest thing you got to remember is even if you had done that, it still wouldn't have been what you expected.
1: Right. So,
3: you know, it's just, that's what human beings do. Uh, But yeah, it's, it it was, it was pretty entertaining.
1: Well, I imagine you and Lane are very happy with, with how it ended up because zero shoes has done really, really well. We're now here in in beginning of 2022, believe it or not. And I'd love to talk a little bit about your growth. That's that was back in, you said 2012 and 2013. How has the company done since then?
3: Um, Well, what I can say is we did an equity crowdfunding raise back in 2017, and I bring that up um, not to brag about doing that, but because since we did that, we can only talk about things that we have published with the SEC. So I can only tell you what's currently published, uh, or at least as of the time that we're having this conversation. Things may change. In fact, we're going to have new data published in early 22, But what I can tell you in 2021 we did um, a, a net about $23 million in sales.
1: Great, that's awesome.
3: And Great. we've been profitable. And so we've grown this thing, you know, by the, at that time, we'd grown the company, we bootstrapped the company and then did the equity crowdfunding raise and built a rapidly growing profitable footwear brand, which people who are in the footwear industry have said to us, the number of companies who've done what you've done is you.
1: That's awesome. Well, congratulations! Yeah, congratulations! And and we love talking. We've got several partners that are small business owners. We love talking about small businesses that are growing and and getting bigger. So hats off to you guys! And and we talked about something before we we hit record that that I want to touch on, because sure. I, th- I think a lot of our you know our listeners are big ass runner herd. So they're the everyday runners. Mm-hmm. are out there. They're strapping on their hokas or their ultras or whatever their shoes may be. And I said, I don't know how many of them are in, into minimalist running. And you, you said something I thought was great, which is you're not here to convince anybody on what to run in, but this idea of recovery is so important. We talk more and more about that on this show. So let's talk a little bit about that.
3: Sure. Well, yeah, let me just emphasize that again. I don't care what you run in. I mean, I have opinions, but it's I'm not here to tell you how to run your life, pun intended. <laughs> what I can tell you is some things that are useful. So And you've talked about this before. After you have a long run or even a short run, depending on who you are, um, recovery is the most important thing. You need time for your muscles, ligaments, and tendons, and bones, and joints, and everything else to get back into shape. Now, active recovery is the most important thing for muscles, ligaments, and tendons. You want to keep the blood flowing. You want to keep the muscles, ligaments, and tendons moving so that um, when you're recovering, you're not tightening up, essentially. And so what we're providing is a way of doing that, whether you're in our boots, shoes, or sandals they're freakishly, freakishly flexible. So you have a quarter of the bones and joints of your entire body in your feet and ankles. If you don't let them move, that's a problem. So in our shoes, they can move. And we have a lot of people who just wear our shoes and sandals just for recovery, and they run in hokas or whatever else. But there's another thing that's interesting. So there's research from Dr. Isabel Facco in Brazil where she took runners who ran in regular shoes and had them do a foot strengthening program during the course of a year. And their injury rate was two and a half times lower than the people who just ran in regular shoes, which brings up the question, okay, how do you strengthen your feet? Well, here's another interesting thing, and that is research from Dr. Sarah Ridge, who showed that just walking in minimalist shoes, she didn't do the research with our shoes, but she had said that our shoes will get the same benefits as the ones she used in the study. Just walking in minimalist shoes builds foot muscle strength as much as doing an actual foot exercise program. So another reason, you know, run in whatever you want, But if you want to build strength and when is weaker, better than stronger, never, then you can do that just by walking around in our boots and our shoes and our sandals. And, you know, this is an extreme example. We have a number of professional ice hockey players who say they're skating better than ever because when they get off the ice and out of their shoes that don't let their feet move at all and wear our shoes and sandals, they're rebuilding that strength as they're recovering from being bound up and essentially doing isometric contractions for hours at a time. And that's actually translating to them skating better. So it's this is really, it's fundamentally what we're talking about. It's not about footwear, it's about form and strength. Yep. And it just so happens that the strength you can build by doing foot exercises or it's by walking around in shoes like zero shoes. And the other part, um, whatever it was, that I just said, of oh, form. The other thing about form is that you need feedback to make form adjustments. And if you're wearing something that is basically eliminating the ability for the 200,000 nerve endings in your feet to feel the ground and therefore for your brain to respond accordingly, you know, that can be problematic as well. So whenever you can, you you know, you don't want to keep your feet bound up. So your brain eventually says, Oh, you're not going to give me those sensations. And then I'm going to shut that part of my brain off. Yeah. So you want to make sure that you're continually stimulating your brain as well. So it's allowing you to do the best you can in whatever you're running
1: in. Yeah. I love that. Again, we we've talked more and more on this show about recovery. You know, it's easy to slip into the mindset of you know long runs and training and go, 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 but taking care of yourself, recovering, flexibility, nutrition, strength. hydration, strength, foot strength. Uh, we've got one of, our, one of our listeners, Dr. Lisa, she's got great videos on her Instagram. And a lot of what she talks about is, is strength, foot strength, and things like that. So I, I love that. Yeah. And something I didn't really think about when you think about minimalist shoes.
3: No, because, you know, the way the minimalist thing grew up, inadvertently. certainly, was first it started as Barefoot, and, and the shoe companies freaked out. In 2009, in early 2010, there was all these native ads. Basically, it looked like editorial copy, but it was really an ad. One came from Brooks Running that was saying, if you 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 know if you go barefoot or switch these minimal shoes, you're going to step on hypodermic needles and get Ebola, and your kids won't get into college, and you'll forget how to dial the phone. And I mean, they were just making stuff <laughs> up. Um, and then by the end of 2010, many of them had uh, products they were coming out with that were minimalist in name only so and i say that because dr irene davis who was at harvard researched those minimalist she calls them partial minimalist shoes rather than minimalist shoes and her research was that they're worse for you than anything because they have enough cushioning that you're not feeling the ground and getting that feedback that you need to adjust your gait and use your muscles ligaments and tendons properly and that goes back to strength training you know it's amazing that runners don't take a day or two off from running to do strength training because all the research shows that's the best and fastest way to become a better faster runner but um, without that, with that cushioning, you're not feeling the ground. So you're not making that natural adjustment to your gait. Because frankly, in a minimalist shoe or barefoot, running wrong hurts and running right feels good. You know, yeah. you can spot a barefoot runner from 50 yards away. They have this weird look on their face. I think it's called smiling. <laughs> and, um, uh, and, and so because they're not adjusting the gait from what people are used to from wearing a highly padded shoe, they're now in a position where they're not getting those extra things that are in highly padded shoes motion control, arch support, et cetera. those things you don't actually need. They're, the research shows they're actually bad for you. But if you are, as Irene Davis says, if you are going to be an over heel-striking runner, wear something to do as much to mitigate the effects of that as you possibly can. And if you're not, then don't just go halfway because halfway is worse than going all the way.
1: Got it. So if someone's running, I, I, I prefer Hoka's, although I just got some North Face. We'll see how those go. But for those of the, us that run in more cushioned shoes, is there a particular style that you would recommend that you have on your website?
3: No, because all of our shoes are fundamentally the same. So, got it. Yeah, whatever kind of floats your boat for whatever you're doing. If you think you want to do a little running, we've got running shoes. If you've got trail running, we've got trail shoes. If you just want to walk around casually, we have casual shoes. If you're somewhere nice and pleasantly warm, we've got sandals. But they're all designed to let your toes spread and splay, which is really important. Like an example I love to give is, If you're going to drop into push-ups, do you squeeze your fingers together or you spread your fingers apart? Right. Yeah, you spread them apart because that gives you better balance, better force production. Well, your feet work the same way. If you squeeze your toes together, you're not actually able to use the ligaments in your foot properly to get the right amount of force protection that your feet naturally give you. I mean, there's a reason you have three arches in your feet, and arches are the strongest, most stable structures in architecture, and if you can't engage the muscles properly, you can't engage the arch properly. So anyway, wide toe box to let your toes do what's natural, low to the ground for balance and agility. We don't elevate your heel because that messes with your posture. Um, the soles are really flexible to let all those bones and joints move naturally. And they're also really durable. So our soles have a 5,000-mile sole warranty, unlike running shoes that typically say 3 to 500 miles right. or, the new, or the new hyper-maximalist ones that say 100 to 150 miles. Um, and they're also crazy lightweight. We've had, and we have shoes that you can, again, wear for just, you know, being at the beach or whatever you want. But we had people tell us that they went to bed still wearing their zero shoes, so they forgot they had them on. <laughs> um, they may have been passing out drunk. I didn't ask. I'm not running their life.
1: <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah. Exactly but they're, they're right.
3: We, we actually had someone working for us who was at a trade show, and he took a lunch break. And after lunch, he went, well, better put my shoes back on and get back to the booth. And he looked down, and he was still wearing them. He had no idea.
1: Love it. That's zero shoes. that's X-E-R-O-Shoes.com, is that right?
3: That is correct, although if your computer accidentally puts a Z in there, it'll still get to us.
1: Awesome. So, Stephen, at the end here, I just want to give you an opportunity, because one of the things we love to do on this show is talk about our why, You know why we run, or really why we do anything, and I would love to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about your why.
3: Sprinters are nuts. Uh, especially old sprinters, <laughs> and what I mean by that is it's really, really hard. And you, at a certain point, you know, you're never getting faster. And we're working our butts off, literally, sometimes, to try to either get faster or not get slower. And there's no money involved. There's no there. There's you know, you can go to a turkey trot and do a five k and win a turkey. There's nothing like that for sprinters. So I meet sprinters on the track, and we look at each other, and it's sort of like. Uh, yeah, we're working really hard with diminishing returns for no good reason. We're crazily competitive, and there's no reason to be that competitive. Uh, and we know we're that competitive because we're old enough and we've gotten a little more mature, and that's crazy too. And so we look at each other and it's sort of like, hey, you're an idiot too? Welcome to the club. <laughs> and, <laughs> you're you're perfect. I've never met anyone on the track. Yeah, I've never met anyone on the track that I don't adore. But the reality for me, the, the, the better answer really is that um, my – how do I want to put this? As a marketing product-focused entrepreneur, the way my brain works is I'm all about coming up with ideas. I've got, you know, I can see things from lots of different angles and lots of different perspectives. I go very broad. I don't do focus. That's not my thing. But when it comes to physical activities, I like those things that are all about focus and trying to perfect something that's impossible to perfect. And that's what sprinting is. You know, you've got a very short amount of time. That you're trying to do things perfectly that you can't do perfectly. Like at the end of a race, when someone will come up and say, How'd you do? My answer is, Do you want the excuse or do you what just want the number? Mm, yeah. And because there's always an excuse. And and so the intermittent reinforcement of it is very addictive. And the working towards a goal is very um, I really enjoy that. There's also a social component. When I'm on the track, when I'm training, I have training partners, and we've been training together now for a dozen years. These are people who I love dearly. And at least one of us on any given training day will say, I'm so glad you made me come out here, because otherwise I would've just taken a nap. And sprinters, as a group, by the way, were kind of lazy. I know that sounds weird, but it's true. (laughs) Uh, So put it all together, I mean, what happened for me actually, I just realized this. So I was an All-American gymnast in high school, And I continued to train, but I didn't compete in college. And I continued to train until I was 32 and blew out my knee when I landed and twisted at the same time. And then I spent 15 years, basically, or 13 years, trying to find something that I enjoyed doing that there was a reason for doing it. There was some value in doing it. Like, I got really into some circus arts that were fun, but really hard. And I was never going to be in Cirque du Soleil, and there was no, you know, Masters circus competition. So what's the point? And and when I discovered sprinting, and there was a whole Masters track and field circuit, um, that was just life changing for me. It was, you know, I hadn't sprinted in thirty years, and that was actually a big challenge. When I started again, my brain still thought I was twenty, and my body did not agree.
1: (laughs) It's like wait a minute.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I have a whole. It took me. It literally took me two years to learn that when I had the thought, "Let me do one more," that was the time to stop not do one more. Uh, so so it, I guess the best way I can put it is sprinting is the mm, addresses the perfect combination of all the things that make me want to do anything physically. Mm. Um, it gives me a reason to work out. It gives me a reason to pay attention to my diet. It gives me a, a goal to set um, even if the goal is just, you know, get to the end of the race, um, it gives me people to hang out with. It has the intermittent reinforcement thing, which is very addictive. It's like going to Vegas, uh, and, uh, you know, pull together. And it's just my favorite, favorite thing.
1: I love that. It it reminds me too. one of the things that we love about this show is the, is the community about trail running in general. I know you've done a little bit of trail running, but your main thing is sprinting, but I think it, it, it equates in that. Trail rings has got that same community. It's people you know, to do th- life with, to run with, to be encouraged by, to be challenged by. So yeah. very, very similar. That's great.
3: Well, you know, the only difference is that on a trail, you're usually, you don't usually have someone right next to you that you're either trying to beat or who's trying to beat you you're, unless you're on that kind of trail. But, but the, that, that kind of competition, there's a, there's a psychological component to racing where you've got, you're lined up and there's people to your left and people to your right. And you're trying to run your best race. And when someone is slightly ahead of you, you want to beat them. You want to do something about that. But ironically, the worst thing you can do is try to beat them. If you Mm -hmm. don't run your own race, you're not going to run well. And that's a fascinating thing to have to juggle that desire to compete and win. And that if that's the thing that you're thinking about or that's affecting you when you're running, it'll mess you up. So that paradox is also very engaging
1: that principle is true for trail running too you know, run run oh, your really? own race absolutely run your own race if you see someone ahead of you and you you're like you, you have that urge to go catch them, it's like you got to run your race cuz this is going to be a lot you got a lot of miles ahead of you and i think the other thing That maybe separates it is we get to stop every once in a while and eat things (laughs) things we call aid stations or as our friend Marcy Baser calls it a comfort station. So, yeah, that's one of the other differences.
3: You reminded me that I have a fantasy of, of building a track or having someone build a track where at the end of the 100 meter stretch, there's just a big foam pit. So you don't even have to slow down. You just keep running until you jump into the phone.
1: Oh, that sounds awesome. There's your next idea. Yeah, Yeah, it's a good one. (laughs) I love it. Well, Stephen, you're a fascinating guy. Thanks so much for joining the show and for walking us through your experience on Shark Tank. I think a lot of us that are fans of the show found that really fascinating. And congratulations, too, on the great success of Zero Shoot. Yeah, it's it's been great to see you go from what Damon John described it as a piece of rubber and a string into the, <laughs> the many styles and varieties that you have. And so congratulations on your great success. And thanks so much for joining the show. Oh, my pleasure. Well, one of the things we absolutely love to do is give big shout-outs and kudos to the big-ass runners out there just making it happen. And this week, we have a very special shout-out and kudos because this week, the shout-out is to Megan Opperman. Megan, if you remember, on our Christmas episode, wrote a song, wrote new lyrics to Up on the Housetop, which we love. But Megan got something over the holidays That many of us did not get, and that is a new engagement ring. Megan got engaged over the holidays. So, congratulations, Mo, for getting engaged. Super excited for you. Super excited for that new piece of jewelry that you have on your hand. Way to go, Mo, and congratulations. Well, it is the new year, which means a lot of people will make New Year's resolutions. In fact, I looked up some statistics, actually went into the data warehouse, asked the data scientists, and they said 73.2%, they were very precise, of the population will make some sort of resolution or goal. I like to think of it more as goals. Do you have goals that you want to accomplish in 2022? For me, I've talked about my word for the year, simplify. I want to simplify my life. What does that mean? I've got to evaluate that and really come up with some tangible things to simplify my life. One very tangible thing, one goal I have for 2022 is to do a 100K signed up in February to do that. So hopefully I can accomplish that goal. And then add more strength training. Again, not super tangible. Probably need to put some numbers around that. But the goals I looked this up and again I asked the data scientist to get involved and the goals that you see that are that rise towards the top for most people are the ones you'd probably think about or the ones you'd think of number one is doing more exercise or improving your fitness. Number two is losing weight. Three, saving more money, four, improving my diet, five, pursuing a career ambition. Six is spending more time with family. Seven is taking up a new hobby. Eight is, I like this one, spending less time on social media. Nine, giving up smoking. And number 10 is, I like this one, decorating or renovating part of my home. That's actually one of our goals for our backyard in 2022 as well. So just thought we'd talk a little bit about goals. So what I thought I would do is reach out to a few of the Big Ass Runner Herd and see what some of their 2022 goals are. So first, we're going to hear from Jay Stansel. Here is Jay's 2022 fitness goals.
0: Hi, I'm Jay Stansel, and I'm a big-ass runner from Corbin, Kentucky, home and birthplace of Kentucky Fried Chicken. One of my health and running goals for 2022 is to continually add more and more strength and cross-training to my workout regiment. Since I became a runner nearly almost 15 years ago, I guess, I've just been merely just that, a runner. I've not done much else to help make me better, and just thinking that that will get me through, and that will be fine. However, as I hit the big 5 this past year, I've realized that uh, I need more, especially if I'm going to continue on trying to chase the longer distances, so... I'm wanting to add more strength in cross training to help make me a stronger runner to handle all that. But also, more importantly, for injury prevention, uh, I tend to get hurt, especially when I just try to run all the miles. And uh, I have found as I started a strength program this past year, the workouts really do help mitigate the injuries and uh, wipe those out. So that is my goal for this year, more strength and cross training as I continue to chase those long distances, shooting for 55k here in June and eventually hoping to tackle 50 miler, 100k and eventually a 100 miler on down the line. So happy new year, big ass runners and keep running your asses off.
1: Well, great job, Jay. And by the way, uh, welcome to the 50 Club. Happy birthday this past year. Entered that 50 zone as I am in as well. Sounds like you've got some really big goals and love the strength training. Again, that's one of mine as well. And I think as I get older, I notice my muscles get smaller. And we've got to work on those as we as we age, Any really any time. But I think even more important, as we age... And so I think that's a great one. I'm excited for your 50K in June. I think you're running the one of the Yeti races in June. So congratulations on that. Excited for you. Keep us uh, up to date on your training and uh, excited for you to tackle that big goal in 2022. Well, next we're going to hear from Lori Rottmeyer. Here is Lori's fitness and running goals.
0: Hey, y'all. This is Lori Rottmeyer, a big-ass runner from Lead Hill, Arkansas, my biggest...
1: Goal for 2022 is to lose 20 more pounds so that I can up my mileage and prepare for my first ultra. Happy New Year. Yeah, that's excellent, Lori. And I'm in the same boat too, although I didn't list it as one of mine. I keep thinking and I keep wanting to lose that last like 15 ish pounds to get to to get to what I think is my ideal running weight, and I haven't quite gotten there. So want to just send you some encouragement to get there as well and super excited for your first ultra. We talked a little bit about where that might be. And I think you're looking at one in Texas and one in Arkansas as well. So let us know once you pick that out. And I would love to, uh, to cheer you on and help you accomplish that goal. So the next one we're going to hear from is big ass runner herd member, our buddy, Denver Isom.
4: Yo, what is going on, Big ass Runner Herd? You got your boy here, Denver Ice, and I'm going to share with you guys my 2022 running goal real quick. Um, there is a race here in Michigan. It is like a it's like a state to state race or across the state race. It is the Veterans Memorial 150 Miler. Um, technically, it's actually 154 miles, but yes, that's going to be the race I'm going to do. It's going to be the Farthest distance I've ever run I believe it's probably one of the longest runs in Michigan If I'm not mistaken It is mostly paved, it's like on a paved trail So it's not like it's all through the our normal trails that our Big ass Herd is used to, but it's still definitely going to be a challenge in itself. And the goal is to not only finish 150 miles, but to try to finish it in 30 hours or less. So, yeah, that's going to be the challenge for me. And uh, so hopefully I make that alive <laughs> and hopefully I make it. But, uh, yeah, man, that's that's the goal for me. I hope you guys are able to get out there and crush your 2022 goals, man, and get out there and make the best of it, guys. And, you know, keep on running hard, running strong, running less, guys. You guys already know what it is, man. Let's go.
1: Woo. Denver, got some big goals in 2022, 154 miler. That is awesome. And I think you said it's in May. I was going to say, I'm going to fly up and cheer you on for that. But that's when my grandbaby is due in May as well. May a busy month for us. But man, what an awesome, big honking, what do they call it, BHAG, big, hairy, audacious goal for 2022 for Denver. But Denver, we know you can. You're an awesome runner. We know you can accomplish that. Love that one. Well, our last big-ass runner herd member that we're going to hear from is the great Elaine Valley.
0: Hey, y'all. This is Elaine from the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Two of my running goals for 2022 are to finish my first 50-miler at Rocky Raccoon in February and finish 100K in the fall. Big-ass runner friends, may your new year be filled with love, joy, and the courage to dream big.
1: Well, thank you, Elaine. And I will be there at Rocky Raccoon to cheer Elaine on in her quest to get her first 50 miler. And like me, she's also looking to do 100K later in the year. And thank you also, Elaine, for those sweet words of encouragement. Well, hopefully you've heard a few things that maybe have inspired you to think about those New Year's, not resolutions necessarily, but maybe New Year's goals as we think about 2022, and as we look towards those big 2022 goals, just want to wish you a big Happy New Year. Well, believe it or not, that is the end of episode number 75 of The Big Ass Runner. I want to say a big thank you to Charles Barkley for that amazing introduction thank you also to Steve Sashen for spending some time with us and man that was just such an interesting conversation remember go to zero shoes to check out the great shoes that they've been producing those minimalist shoes and I'm gonna get a pair as recovery shoes for uh, my run. I love my hokas, but I feel like I need some recovery shoes as well to strengthen those feet also, thank you to the Big Ass Runner Herd, to Jay Stansel, to Denver Isom, to Lori Rotmeier, and to the great Elaine Valley for sharing with us some of your 2022 running and fitness goals. And thanks to you, the Big Ass Runner Herd, for listening each and every week. We so appreciate what you guys do in turning this podcast on every week really really helps us and one thing you can do as you guys know is to give us a written review on apple podcasts that would be awesome also big thanks to our partners path projects have you seen the new what is this thing called this is amazing the glacier t19 beanie it is awesome go to pathprojects.com I don't think they're sold out yet, but go to pathprojects.com to check out those new beanies, three different colors, they're amazing. Also Salty Britches, the best, the best chafing ointment out there. Go to getsaltybritches.com and use the code BIGSRUNNER all one word for 20, 20% off. 20% off is amazing. And of course, it's getting cold out there, you need a Vander jacket, the best running jackets out there vanderjacket.com well again thanks for listening and the final big shout out sometimes I forget to do this and I apologize because he makes us sound so good our audio engineer Steve is it Spring Yet Saunders making us sound great thanks Steve for all that you do and again thanks to the Big Ass Runner Herd for listening each week for sharing the podcast with their friends and family again hope they can get out there hit those trails and keep running your asses off
4: First off, I have a big race called the Veteran Memorial 150 in uh, May. That is going to be 150 milers, so that is going to be the longest run I have ever, or longest distance. Oh, my goodness, dude. I think he could eat his freaking Snickers or something, dude.
1: (laughs) His name is Steven Sashen. You're going to really enjoy that. That's episode. You're really going to, Steve, get some stuff to work with here in the uh, blooper reel. But before we get started on that, I did want to wish everyone,
2: <coughs>
1: <coughs> um, is there a particular brand or let me scratch that, scratch that, Steve, uh, um, not you, Steve, the st- Steve, the audio engineer, no. he's also named Steve. Hey, Steve, Steve, what's up, Steve, look good, Steve, Steve.